Welcome to the Crucible, where the Southern African Institute of Mining and Metallurgy gives you a front row seat to conversations with specialists in the minerals and metal sector. Siam has well over a hundred years experience in and commitment to protecting the professional standards of our industry. Join us now as we discuss the key issues and global initiatives to give you the relevant information needed to make informed decisions, to influence policy that directly affects our sector, and to help our industry grow in an uncertain future. Hi everyone and welcome to The Crucible and thank you for joining us today. Today we will be discussing a very interesting topic, sampling and blending. We are hosting the World Conference on Sampling and Blending in South Africa from the 21st to the 23rd of May. And to celebrate this very prestigious event, I've got a whole panel joining me today. I'm going to start off with our very own Professor Richard Minnett. He's also the organizer of this very prestigious event. He's an emeritus professor from Witts School of Mining and Engineering. He holds a doctoral degree in geology and he has lectured in the fields of geostatistics and mineral economics. Joining him is Dr. Christopher Robin. He's our subject matter expert in the field of pre-concentration and sensor-based ore sorting. For the past 20 years, he's worked worldwide in sensor process and project development, and he's one of the world's leading experts in this field. We're also joined by Mr. Terence Nkosi. He's the executive head of Sheck and Technical Assurance at Rand Refinery. And over the course of his career, he has engaged in collaborative efforts with preeminent technical authorities to augment the accuracy and precision of materials assessment at Rand Refinery. And then last but not least, Mr. Martin Lischka. He's working for a manufacturer of state-of-the-art sample preparation equipment and automation of quality control for the extractive and recycling industries. His recent activities focus on precious metal recycling, copper-related commodities and censoring methods applied to sample taking and preparation routines as a quality measure. Welcome to our panelists and welcome to our listeners. Let's dive right into it. So going directly to our panel, I'm going to ask our panel, why is sampling such a hot topic at the moment in our industry? And Prof. Richard, I'm going to start with you. What are your thoughts here? Uh, yes, somebody once said, your decisions are only as good as your samples. So that's a very um, insightful statement because people are making decisions about purchasing properties, developing mines, deciding which part of an ore deposit to actually mine. And this involves millions of rand in terms of the decision making. And if we don't have the right samples, it's quite possible that we could be making the wrong decision. So clearly, uh, and uh, should I say that um, the whole issue of sampling is becoming more and more important as people begin to realize how crucial uh, sampling is, particularly in something like, for example, the reporting codes. Uh, and you've got to make sure that those reporting codes uh, across the world are done correctly, compliance with those reporting codes 
requires that we undertake sampling in a very uh, diligent and careful manner. So I would say that certainly is one of the reasons, Elmia. I'm actually hearing two reasons there. Huge capital investment and regulatory compliance. Um, Terence, I know you've got a lot of experience in regulatory compliance. What do you think? Why is sampling such a hard topic right now? Sampling is important uh, because um, the where a refiner that receives a lot of uh, concentrates and gold bars, and it is important to reflect what is in those materials accurately as possible. Because if you understate, you'll make obscene profits and unfortunately you'll make too much money and you'll, your credibility will be questioned. But if you overstate, you can be bankrupt very quickly. So to follow the right code of t- extracting a representative sample, it is important uh, because it will ensure that your credibility and, and the client that deposits, they can also benefit as well in that process. And with regards to the governance, what the professor said, because we belong to various accreditations and we need to follow certain rules, like as an LPMA refiner, so we need to guarantee anyone who deposit materials with us to make sure that we are a credible refiner that will best as possible reflect what they give us so that they can be able to trust the results that come through. I hear a lot of about credibility there. So CapEx investment, credibility, regulatory compliance. Martin, I know you work with a state-of-the-art manufacturer looking specifically at the art of sample preparation and equipment. Yeah. In your world, sampling also a hot topic? Yes, definitely, especially the sample integrity during the preparation process is quite an important issue. So, uh, for example, if you're looking for recycling materials like e-scrap or highly loaded materials like catalyst, defined fraction is very important. Uh, So, we don't want to bias the sample preparation by sucking away dust and things like that. So, sample integrity is quite an important issue. But also in food safety, uh, the full homogeneity of the sample uh, after blending, for example, is quite an important issue. So here a lot of uh, focus is now put on the sample preparation and how to minimize bias and also give a trust to the client who's selling material to refinery that the analysis is done in the proper way and the payments are then accordingly uh, to the material they deliver to the systems. So two very important concepts there integrity and trust and I think a very important one that you also mentioned Martin although you mentioned it in regards to the food industry is safety for us as well. Dr. Robin or Chris I know that you are a subject matter expert in the field of pre-concentration and sensor-based ore sorting. In that field bringing us a little bit closer to the mining industry what is the talk about sampling in, in this field? Yeah, thank you for the question. And I can uh, link to uh, what you summarized uh, to my pre-authors. It's about due diligence uh, in project development and investment. And uh, what makes uh, sensor-based all sorting so sensitive to the topic of, of sampling is that we're dealing with large particle sizes. Uh, and that uh, the potential error that you can uh, introduce uh, into your decision-making of building 
process island worth tens of millions of dollars can be significant. So uh, being very diligent there, knowing uh, about the ore properties, understanding the ore properties and reflecting that in the material that you use for testing is of critical importance for the investment uh, decision. Relating back to the CapEx, yeah. <laughs> huge amounts of capital investment. Yeah. Um, thank you to our panel. I think, Martin, you touched on integrity and on trust. And I think my question here is, what would you see as the current key challenges in the realm of sampling and blending in the world? So, for example, um, a lot of standards are existing for raw materials, but uh, for example, for new materials like the uh, recycling industry, uh, there are not really standards uh, they are agreed. So, it's all relying on a contract between the material supplier and the refinery. So, there's no standard. There's some supervision by independent parties, but uh, there's no background which is put in some kind of law. And also, some standards, uh, yeah still a bit outdated, so the uh, community is working on new standards. So there's a new standard coming up uh, based on the Danish standard, DS377, uh, which was developed by Kim Espens, for example, who is going to be an ISO standard maybe in future. But uh, yeah, the methods which are sometimes based in iron ore sampling, zinc, copper concentrate, still focusing on some methods which are not up to date anymore. And so there needs to be some rethinking of those standards and yeah, bringing in the knowledge we gained the last years. And that's why we also have this conference to share our experience in sampling and share the knowledge with other colleagues. I think, Prof. Richard, you also mentioned standards, the need to yeah. adhere to our standards, <laughs> whether it's well-developed or not. Would you like to add to the key challenges we're experiencing in sampling worldwide right now? Zelnia, I wonder if I could just go back for a moment and just discuss why I think um, sampling is so important in South Africa particularly. Um, I know I'm being a bit more parochial and uh, sort of country specific, but uh, there are several factors, you know, that have made sampling such a crucial and critical issue in South Africa. And the first of that is that South Africa is a minerals-based economy. Whether we like it or not, I think in excess of about 40% of our foreign earnings come from the minerals industry, which makes it hugely important. There are another number of factors that I'd just like to mention. Things that have happened in South Africa that um, have really affected the importance of sampling to our country. And the first was, of course, the new democracy. Uh, in 1994, um, we became a, a democratic country. And as a result of that foreign mineral investment, there was a huge amount of stimulation of local mineral entrepreneurship. And from historically disadvantaged sectors of our economy, and they began to uh, be involved. Another event that took place was the unbundling of the mineral assets. So big mining companies were wanting exposure of their share portfolios to the volatility in the market, and they began to unbundle. And that also affected the need for sampling. Then thirdly, there was the um, foreign control of South Africa's mineral assets, 
we were handing over control of our assets to uh, foreign companies at a huge rate. In about 1994, we owned about probably 90% or 94% of the South African deposits were owned by South African companies. I think it's around about 20% now. So uh, that control of our mineral assets by foreign companies is really important. We've mentioned the codes. We've talked about the importance of the codes. Uh, and the, of course, the um, securities exchange listing rules requires that we also adhere to those codes. And then there's been the education and training. So there's been over the years a huge amount of uh, foreign contributors to that. Uh, I'll just name a few. Francis Pitard, Dominique Francois Bongasson, Kim S. Benson, Jeff Lyman and others. Many others have come to South Africa and have presented courses on sampling. So that has been a real issue. And then the the role of the ISO standards. You know, in 1947, when the ISO standards were first introduced, they made a huge contribution to uh, trying to normalize and stabilize uh, trade in the minerals industry, as well as a lot of other areas as well. But they uh, have made a massive contribution. Now, I think um, Martin, it was, that said we were trying to draw these um, ISO standards uh, in and get them more sort of compliant with the theory of sampling. So that's important. But I think we must acknowledge the contribution of the ISO standards. But also, in addition to that, there's the um, global uh, sampling standards that we have, like the AMIRA standards, there's standards in Australia, there's the ASTM in America, of course the ISO standards, the South African Bureau of Standards, we also have a, a standards organization there. And I think all of these uh, factors contribute or have driven us to come to a point where we understand the absolute importance of doing good sampling and as a result of what's happened now over the last uh, 30 years virtually, uh, we are realizing that the cost of poor sampling practice is something that we can no longer afford and that we just got to start um, improving our sampling practice. Yeah. So it's actually a very rich history. I know yes. we focused a lot in South Africa now, but what's encouraging for me is to hear that you say as um, South Africa became a global player, yes. we've put a lot more effort into education Absolutely. and knowledge sharing across boundaries Absolutely. and globally. I yes. think, Martin, you also mentioned that. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. I think, Dr. Robin, considering Professor Richard's comment on poor sample taking and that we cannot afford that anymore and we need to do better. What would you say are the latest trends and current advancements in sampling technologies? Prof. Richard now mentioned that South Africa is more minerals based. So specifically for all characterization sorting processes in the minerals industry, what do you see as the biggest advancements and innovations? The biggest advancement, I would say, are, are two. Um, this is the development of uh, sensing uh, technologies and the other one of data processing. Uh, so we can handle and obtain much more data uh, that we can process. 
but this information that we derive still comes from samples that you use for calibrate those sensors. And the sensors that we use also underlie the fundamental theory of sampling is based upon. And our decisions, we, we have those very powerful tools uh, to drive uh, decision making, uh, but the fundamental basics need to be sound and clear uh, so that our decision making is good. So to make use of those uh, powerful tools in our toolbox, uh, we need to make the fundamentals right. Uh, and that will be a huge lever uh, I foresee in, in the future for process control uh, and automation um, that uh, we can uh, feed those processes with proper data and, and information. But uh, it, it links back to the same principles uh, of the theory of sampling and it links back to the original samples that we use for, um, for training those uh, sensors, for training the, the software. Um, so I see um, uh, really an uptake in um, sampling uh, fundamentals and in sample taking because we are uh, relating um, always back to this. This is our reference that we refer to um, and we can't do without it. So for someone like me <laughs> with very limited knowledge on sampling and blending, can you just explain... Um, you know, keeping in mind that we are increasing digitization and the use of data analytics, can you just explain in layman's terms, what is the theory of sampling and what you mean by saying we need to leverage that to make use of these powerful tools in our toolbox? Um, yes, one of the fundamentals of sample taking is that we need to uh, extract material in, in uh, um, avoiding the incorrect uh, sampling errors uh, so that we can actually uh, get material out that um, tells us something about the true full mass. Um, and that principle is the same for sensors. If I have a sensor which only looks at a portion of the stream but disregards um, uh, complete classes passing, so if I look at the surface only, if I don't see what it's inside, um, I'm, um, I don't get understanding of the true composition of what is there. Uh, and then I can have uh, information every uh, millisecond, uh, but still my uh, knowledge about what is actually happening doesn't improve at all. Um, and then no super artificial intelligence will allow me um, to uh, get rid of that systematic flaw um, and will also mislead my decision making. Um, so getting um, uh, yeah, the link between what I see to what is actually there, that is that understanding and that link is governed by the theory of sampling. Um, and we are happy to have the shoulders of the giants that we can stand on um, to actually now uh, apply those new uh, technologies uh, to our benefit. Uh, but we must uh, make use of uh, what of the knowledge that is already there. And we can't, it's not a plug and play um, standalone thing that we can just 
push a button and and it runs i see a lot of work to be done there um, and a lot of knowledge and expertise and um, professionals uh, that are needed um, for um, for uh, developing those those applications thank you thank you dr robin um prof minute is that something we can look forward to at uh, at the world conference on sampling um to sort of bridge that that gap between our theory and our digitization doing that knowledge transfer yes i think uh, what chris has said is absolutely true and um you know i would endorse what he said particularly about the fact that um there's no uh, simple uh, plug-and-play solution. So uh, while the theory of sampling does create a base um, for um, assessing and addressing the most important of the sampling errors, and uh, this was attributed to the work of Pierre Guy, um, one needs to think carefully at every stage about what one is doing. And the reason for this is that there are so many different types of materials that require sampling. So when we're talking about the mining industry, we might easily think just of, say, uh, precious and base metals, the gold, the platinum and the copper lead zinc type deposits. Then there are the um, bulk commodities, which is iron ore, manganese, chrome, vanadium and those types of metal, uh, metals and they require a different a slightly different approach and a more considered approach and then of course there's the um, the coal industry uh, where there's also a huge amount of work being done at the moment um, but not really too closely linked to um, the theory of sampling and um, so we're looking to try and draw in all these people. In the, so this is just in the minerals industry. Then we've got the pharmaceutical industry. We've got the agricultural industry, which is hugely involved in sampling their grain and uh, the materials that are go into silos. They can't have more than about 14% of water in that material. And so they've got to be very careful about how they um, achieve... Uh, accurate sampling of these uh, 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 parameters. So, um, yes, we, we, we're hoping that we will be covering a huge uh, spectrum of materials that need uh, sampling. There's the food industry, there's the waste industry. Uh, so there is just a huge spectrum of uh, materials that need um, to be sampled. And each of those has their own specific um, idiosyncrasies that have to be addressed and managed through this um, theory of sampling. And, and really, I just would like to say that the, the theory of sampling is like a, um, a base foundation from which you can start. You know, it's got like all the basic principles. Once you get the principles correct, you can be sure that if you follow those principles diligently and carefully, that you're going to end up with uh, good sampling results. Yeah. So that sheds more light on Martin's comment um, where he said different standards for recycled materials, for food. Absolutely. Um, where Chris said um, 
or sensors, you know, just looking at the surface doesn't mean you're representing the entire conveyor belt full of material. Um, You mentioned pharmaceutical. This is actually very wide-reaching. I understand it's... um, South Africa, SABS, as you've mentioned, Prof Minute, um, sort of limits my thinking immediately to only a minerals industry. Um, it's, it's actually quite wide. It's, it's a lot wider than that. Indeed. Um, so Terence, maybe coming to you with um, considering variability within the minerals industry, let's say between coal and um, let's say copper or gold that you're familiar with, um, just looking at that have you seen improvement in the challenges we face in the minerals industry relating to variability and heterogeneity? Have you seen any improvement there? Thank you for the question. Yes, I've seen a lot of focus, especially around education, uh, when you mentioned variability, because uh, to build on what Prof Minit said earlier, Africa being also a mineral resource endowed continent where you've seen governments when the ores and resources are sold to another country and you find that the assays are questionable, then a lot of conversations start to ensue and there's a lot of uh, discomfort. We've seen stories over the years whereby people, we, you don't deal with credible players. They are also scrupulous players who use, for example, tungsten and coat it with gold. You think you're buying the product, uses surface scan analysis only to find you bought something else. So on that space, the, the, the sampling is very important to what everyone is saying here around. And the conversation around the variability, even if you've got the oil, is very important because if you don't eliminate for it to what Martin said about bias and Chris, you might end up overstating the, the, the ore or shall I say the product. And when it's properly analyzed by people who are well-versed on the theory of sampling, you might sort of like uh, get less to what you initially expected. And that also can raise a lot of noise because with commodities, when they leave the country, you need to declare how much are you taking off from one country to the next. When you receive less, then there are lots of conversations to the country that uh, did the shipment. So that's the thing that we have seen, especially in the precious metal industry, that the conversation around variability must be thoroughly understood and with the technology that is out there because what i'm proud of in this conference i've seen some technology providers the latest that will be in attendance they'll be coming to share how to minimize that bias and how can we improve so that people can have an insight and even the decision makers can start to appreciate what is being said by the theory uh, guys who are talking about the theory of sampling yeah, I'm, I've come to realize there's quite a lot of um, theory, data, principles and standards behind sampling. So it would be great if the consumer or the end client realizes how much work actually goes into standardizing, legal compliance, mm. sampling, blending. Um, thank you for that, uh, Terence. I think, Martin, you mentioned, um, I think it was you, <laughs> that mentioned um, the importance of standards, um, you know, just not, not just across uh, our country uh, boundaries, but also across, let's call it commodities. So I can imagine that maintaining quality standards, whether it's pharmaceutical, agricultural, food, I can imagine that remains important, but even more so regulatory co- compliance, um, especially since we're now talking across country borders. Yeah. Can we discuss the opportunities there in, in sampling? 
can we discuss the opportunities and strategies and best practices that you've seen um, to up the standard and to actually comply to our legal regulations? Yeah, so of course, a lot of things are based on uh, protocols. So uh, if you do the sampling, uh, you need a record that everyone agrees on, which needs to be monitored on a regular basis. So this is also quite an important issue. It doesn't make sense to fix a protocol and then don't monitor the quality of uh, the method you are applying. So uh, this is quite an important issue. And uh, then also you need to yeah, look on the experience you got doing this practice and maybe update the methods you are applying. Uh, so uh, I guess this is something where also the conference comes in that we got this uh, two years regular meeting to change the knowledge. And yeah, this is the basis, I guess, uh, to bring in new ideas, new experience. Uh, yeah. And this is what makes the trust then in the method you are applying in sampling and sample preparation. And then it depends on yes. the communities, especially if you're doing yeah, trades between countries. Uh, each country has a different standard. Uh, even different companies have different standards in sampling the same material, applying different methods. And there's always a bias. So there's also arguing about money, who has the right sampling technique, the right analytical uh, methods behind it. And... Yeah, it just makes things complicated and, uh, and yes, you spend a lot of money in doing extra analysis and uh, yeah, going on court, whatever, if uh, the worst case is happening. So definitely hearing the need yeah. for collaboration, having the conversation, knowledge transfer, education, hearing that need. Um, again, can I maybe ask uh, Prof Minute coming to you, Martin has mentioned um, the uncertainty in, um, or let's call it the trust that you need in sample preparation, mm. the trust that you need in um, the measurement tools you choose. In that light, what is measurement uncertainty? And is that a critical aspect of sampling? And, and how do you mitigate measurement uncertainty? And, and, and I want to ask, because I can see your video feed, I want to know why you're laughing. <laughs> Yeah, um, look, the, um, the theory of sampling presents a, um, it presents a basic, um, uh, foundation for the way that samp could, good sampling should be done. Um, and, uh, measurement uncertainty is, is quite an, uh, important issue in that, um, uh, and I'm cautious about mentioning this now, uh, because there seems to be a bit of a rift between people in the measurement uncertainty field and those that are totally committed to the theory of sampling. So the, um, the measurement uncertainty folk, um, are very uh, concerned with confidence limits and confidence intervals. Um, and, um, the statistical, the basic statistical, um, parameters that one needs in order to make, uh, decisions about the data you receive and whether or not that's, um, data that can be used, uh, and, and what those confidence intervals are. And certainly we agree with all of that 100%. But what we're saying is that measurement uncertainty to a large extent, and I'm not, I'm not saying that this is the only case, but to a large extent, it begins 
at the laboratory. Uh, whereas the theory of sampling tries to push the uh, control on uncertainty back to the mining face at the place where the samples are actually taken. I think it was Chris or Robin that said there's no sample that is delivered to the laboratory with a red or a green flag that says I'm a good sample or I'm a bad sample. There is no um, <laughs> historical, yeah, there's no, there's no, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There's no genetic link uh, in, the, in that sense. So um, what we are trying to do uh, with the theory of sampling is take the uh, mitigation of uncertainty as far back as possible. So the minute somebody tries to uh, extract say, a, a, a sample of crushed material from a stockpile. Uh, we are saying it has to be done in the right way. It has to be statistically based, correctly statistically based. And let me just quote this principle, because this is like the fundamental sampling principle that says that each and every fragment or particle or item that you are sampling must have the same equal and statistically uh, correct opportunity of being in the sample as every other sample as sorry as every other fragment in that lot so that is the uh, statistical um, basis for the theory of sampling and everything really in a sense is built off that so that's the fundamental sampling principle but it was Pierre Guy that um, uh, identified uh, seven uh, sampling errors. Um, in fact, I think there are now 10 sampling errors. And although Pierre Guy identified them, he there were three of those that he actually didn't name because they dealt more with what was happening on uh, conveyor belts uh, rather than, um, the, than, the, than the physical extraction. So... Um, what are we trying to do? We're saying, you know, in the human body, it's so interesting. The human body, you can go to your head and take a hair. You can go to your toes and take a piece of the toenail. And yet when you look at the DNA in the hair and in the toenail, they are identical. And that DNA fully describes the person you are. It will describe your skin color, your gender, your height, your eye color, it, it describes everything there is about you. Now, that DNA, although it exists in living organisms, does not occur in minerals. So what we are trying to do with the theory of sampling is we are trying to build a DNA molecule, which is our sample. We want that sample to be representative of the lot from which it was taken. So that's really what we're trying to do when we come to to the theory of sampling and and everything that uh, that is involved there. Now I'm not really sure that I answered your question, but <laughs> you did. <laughs> okay. That if nothing else, I will remember this perfect analogy today about DNA and how we create um, our whatever industry we are sampling, how we are creating yes. a DNA for, for that industry when we sample. A That's a, a beautiful analogy. Yeah. And I think um, if I'm correct in my summary, a theory of sampling is then more at the start of the start. 
it's at the physical extraction is how you extract and how representative that extraction yes. is, that sample is. And the measurement uncertainty is a little bit uh, more down the value chain, down e the road. Exactly. Maybe more when you start analyzing, and it's more based on the statistics, the level of confidence that you've got exactly. in your analysis. Would you say that's an accurate summary? Yes, I would certainly agree with that. I'm not sure what um, the, the other panelists would say, but from my point of view, I think you've hit the nail on the head, Zelmia. I think before we go to the other panelists, I just wish our listeners today could have seen the smiles on the faces of our panelists when we started talking about theory of uh, sampling versus <laughs> measurement uncertainty. I've never yeah. seen such comedy. So maybe going to our panel, Martin, maybe let's start with you. Accurate summary of the difference between theory of sampling and measurement uncertainty? Yeah, so especially uh, yeah, since I have the experience from sample preparation, uh, most of the people are focusing on repeatability of the instruments doing uh, yeah, the preparation of 10 samples which come out of a small bucket, maybe containing 50 grams. Uh, but then if you transfer those tests when you buying, for example, a new device for the laboratory, some spectrometers or whatever, then you have to transfer this repeatability into your process and then you start struggling because you have based your repeatability test, uh, accuracy reading on the small sample during the initial phase, and then you try to get this precision from your process and you start thinking about why there's such a big difference to the data I had in the beginning. And this is because you see this variation in the material stream and then you have to start aligning the process of sampling, sample preparation, uh, for example. So the analytical error is much, much smaller than what you actually get from the sample itself or from the material heterogeneity. And your comment sort of brings me back to what Prof. Minute also said about trying to eliminate the seven, now probably ten, errors of sampling right at the start, trying to push it back to the face. I'm again referring to the minerals industry. Um, Terence, coming to you, accurate description here of, of the value chain, theory of sampling first, measurement of uncertainty following that. I must say, Prof quite summarized it very well because if you have an incorrect sampling error, measurement uncertainty is nothing. So if you took the right sample correctly, then I agree and I fully that measurement uncertainty is to look at this, what, how the results differ. They, they will look at the standard deviations and that's what the laboratories are, are looking at. And I know that the further development in looking, there's a concept that the labs use, look at it, it's called the horrid value. They look at that and in the precious metal industry, we sort of like manage that as well because with the value of commodities, unfortunately, when you may have these statistical deviations, the accountants put runs and cents, so they don't look at the standard deviation. If you say the result is this with a deviation of 1%, if you pronounce that mean result, we will assign runs and cents and we start to ask if the results differ. So that is why the measurement and setting becomes a very crucial discussion. And I believe there are topics around this, around the assay exchange for those who will be attending the conference that will delve into this concept of measurement and certainty because it carries a, a huge complexity and mainly in runs and cents of business, especially where commodities are sell, sold in ounces or even far, far lower denomination. I just wanted to latch on that, Terence, because I've got such a good story about that when I was still a professional in training. 
I think it was Prof Minute that mentioned the difference between fossil fuels, coal specifically, and Terence, uh, you are more involved in something like gold, where you measure in ounces. Yes. And I know in our coal industry, I don't want to, to name and shame, uh, but a certain specific type of coal doesn't necessarily generate the amount of revenue that export coal generates. So therefore, um, for example, Geomet is not worth it in that coal market specifically. And I remember... Uh, the effect that sulfur had in the boilers. Mm-hmm. And I remember a prof minute, I, I think it might even have been you that attended that conference that said there's such a big difference in a one percentage point sulfur. There's a huge difference mm. between one percent sulfur and two percent sulfur in coal uh, absolutely. in a boiler. Mm. But your measurement accuracy on the equipment in the lab that measures sulfur is 1% standard deviation. So if you then talk about random sense and contractual values and and even not accepting coal into the boiler because of that difference, um, I all of a sudden, Terrans have much more appreciation for measurement uncertainty. Mm -hmm. It could literally make or kill a contract. Mm -hmm. Correct, correct. And those are, are things when you look at contracts, some they end up specifying things that are not statistically achievable, especially when we put splitting limits. So, uh, and those are the things in terms of commercial can make a contract or break a contract. And that is why sometimes if you have no understanding of the theory of sampling, people can uh, have these things to say, yes, we can con- consider that, but how that sample is extracted can be biased to what some of the speakers said. And people might think they're getting the better deal. But in fact, when you look at the, uh, uh, what we call results, the answer lies in the upfront part. If the theory of sampling is correct, then it can challenge the uh, uh, support, the measurement uncertainty. Not to say the other way, it dictates the contract. Mm, that's very true. I can see Dr. Robin needs to add to this. So I'm wondering in, in which, si- which side of the rift are you on? Theory of sampling or measurement uncertainty? Uh, I'm a believer <laughs> of the theory of sampling, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and uh, I can fully agree with uh, Prof. Minute and all my my um, co-panelists. They don't exclude each other; they add uh, to each Absolutely. other. Absolutely. There was another point I wanted to make, Samir, when you talked about uh, the the coal sulfur, um, and that is uh, that we have the principles that can help us uh, avoid the incorrect sampling errors um, so that we only remain with the correct sampling errors because we still have uncertainty about what is really inside of that material depending on the complexity of the material. If I have one gold nugget in a million ton pile, I can extract samples very correctly and still have the chance either to overestimate the true content because by chance I hit that single nugget or I uh, didn't hit it and I have zero, zero grade. So that distinction, I think, is, is so clear. But when I avoid the incorrect sampling errors, I can start proactively and consciously work with the correct sampling errors. And this is where um, I wanted to link to your cold case is that it may be that uh, the percentage point difference in sulfur doesn't care. Uh, I don't care about that at all. It doesn't make any difference uh, business-wise. or um, And that is uh, what we call the data quality objectives. I'm not striving for um, 
uh, a higher goal of high quality data, I'm trying to match the quality of my data to my objectives. Uh, so if, if you don't care about the sulfur content, why bother about that 1% in deviation? Uh, but if that is um, uh, really harming someone in the uh, exhaust gases or uh, if it kills my whole power plant, I have a strong and very high objective to control that uh, parameter and to be sure that my, my measurement is correct. The business objective uh, needs to be clearly stated. And then I can start consciously acting uh, according to that. And you cannot control accurately what you do not measure accurately. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. And I'm, uh, there's one more thought uh, I want to share is uh, that uh, we are a global society that relies on the supply of minerals. And um, with the economic changes, uh, the transition that we intend to make, for cleaner power generation, uh, the demand of society to us or to the ones that are in the minerals industry is tremendous. We'll uh, have to supply huge amounts of all various kinds of, of minerals, uh, copper being probably the most dominant uh, example. And at the same time, uh, our grades are, all grades are decreasing. And I think understanding our processes better, uh, controlling them in a better way, lifting the potential of uh, productivity in our system, that is a very strong driver that doesn't need any additional resources apart from a better understanding of our process. And how do I get it is getting better insights of what is actually happening in those processes. And how do I do that is either with sensors or with samples that I extract. Um, and uh, if the data that I generate is uh, unreliable and highly biased and incorrect, I can't improve. Um, so that, I think, is, is a very strong drive in better data quality is to lift the uh, productivity uh, gains uh, that we, we can still take from it. And I'm a, it's a long story. <laughs> I could add to that. Yeah. It is. It's extremely. I, I never realized that this topic of sampling, no disrespect to our very esteemed panel uh, gathered here today, but I never realized that the topic of sampling was so complex. So maybe my last question then to Prof. Minute. I've heard today talking to Dr. Robin, I've heard about digitization, data analytics looking at advancements in sensors, but not only that, uh, from Martin and you, Prof. Minute, I've heard about, which I never thought about, the different industries that rely on sampling. Mm. It's not just the minerals industry. And if you want to consider the minerals industry only, we are already looking, like Dr. Robin said, at um, things like lithium. We're moving to cleaner energy. We're moving yeah. to battery minerals. And, and do we have the evolving tools in our toolbox to sample and to measure. And I've heard about, from Terence, I've heard about not only financial reporting compliance, but very important legal compliance. I've heard about standards and standard development across boundaries. So, Prof. Minute, if you had to say how important would it be for professionals across the globe and across industries to attend this world conference on sampling, how important is it? 
Well, I'm probably a bit biased, but I think it's absolutely essential. I think everybody should attend. And um, uh, there is such a wide spectrum of need that um, we have that it's absolutely essential that people involved in industries where they're going to take a sample. And I, I can't think of any industry specifically where you're not going to take some sort of a sample uh, of the materials that you're dealing with. Those principles of sampling need to be understood. Can I just say, uh, uh, Zelnia, the legacy that we're facing, though, is the first of the world conferences of sampling and blending was started in 2004 in Denmark. And that was initiated by um, Kim S. Benson as a tribute, really, to uh, Pierre Guy. Um, the aged gentleman who has given his life to uh, understanding sampling issues. But since then, we've had 10 world conferences on sampling and blending. So it means that we have 10 volumes that are filled with papers and uh, information on how sampling should be done and that focuses on the theory of sampling. So we have a huge volume and body of work that people can go back to. All those uh, proceedings from the various conferences are available online, so people can go and get those uh, proceedings and read through them. And then also there was a publication called the TOS Forum, the Theory of Sampling Forum, that has now come to an end, but it's being replaced by Sampling Science and Technology, which is a new publication that's going to be put out through the International Pierre Guy Sampling Association. And um, I think that that's, that's important. So what I, what I want to emphasize here is that we are not trying to do anything in a corner. We're not trying to um, hold all this information to ourselves. We're trying to disseminate it and spread it as far as possible. And we are trying to let people know that there is information available if they will just look. There are some wonderful books that have been written. Uh, Francis Pitard has written two books. Uh, Kim S. Benson has written a book. Uh, Jeff Lyman, who passed away last year, in fact, um, has also written a, a wonderful book on sampling. So these books are available and all this information is there. So there's, there's nobody that, that's got any excuse for not doing a good job of sampling. But I think it's so important that people come along to the conference and get involved and see what's happening. Uh, and just uh, uh, sampling is, will be elevated to its correct and proper status. Again, I think the opening statement that I made, you know, your decisions are only as good as your samples. And really, I think that's a governing principle. I think that's important. Thank you, Zelmia. Thank you, Prof Minit, and uh, thank you very much to the panel. I just want to mention again, World Conference on Sampling, hosted by South Africa in South Africa, 21st to 23rd of May. And you've just heard it, this conference basically shows you how to take better samples so that you can make better decisions. It's, it's as easy as that and as simple as that. Thank you to our panel. Thank you for joining us today. And thank you to all our listeners. Thank, Thank you, you so much for having us. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please note that the facts and opinions expressed 
are those of the individual and do not reflect the position of SIEM or the corporate institution. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.